Welcome to Divorce Happy Hour, your source for everything you need to know about divorce in New Jersey and beyond. Your co-hosts are John Knocklinger and Christina Previtt, the co-owners of New Jersey Divorce Solutions Previtt Knocklinger, a divorce and family law firm located in central New Jersey. And without further ado, let's get to work. I'm Christina Previtt, the CEO of New Jersey Divorce Solutions, and joining me today is Malia Janjua. She is the Director of Client Services at Women Aware. It's an organization located in Middlesex County that provides domestic violence services. And I feel like this is a really important issue right now for reasons I was just saying to Malia before we started rolling. Mm -hmm. I'm really concerned about people that are in a domestic violence situation right now most likely people that have been, but are feeling at least right now, particularly isolated because they're at home. We've all been told to stay home. Um, stress is high. People are irritable. We have a lot more stress and things going on at home than we used to. And maybe feeling isolated, like we can't get out. And I want people to know that you do have options. You aren't stuck at home. Um, and you know, just because you're at home doesn't mean you're safe at home. So I wanted to bring you on Malia and talk to you about that. So thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me, Christina. Can you tell us what is Women Aware? What services does it provide? Okay, so um, you know, I I'm the director of client services here at Women Aware, and we provide comprehensive uh, domestic violence services to residents of Middlesex County. Okay. Um, I've been working at Women Aware for 10 years and I've worked in different aspects of our of our agency and you know the services that we provide all of our services are free and confidential so um, you don't have to worry about accessing um, services payment insurance that all of our services are free we have um, our 24-hour hotline and I will share the phone number as well um, our 24-hour hotline runs 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We provide information and referrals um, to residents of Middlesex County. Okay, so we were we were operating um, during Sandy. We are operating 24 hours a day, um, all year round. Okay, um, we also have our shelter our shelter is in a confidential location it's our safe house program and we provide emergency housing for victims of domestic violence and their children so this housing is um in a confidential location and i don't like to use the word shelter because when i use the word shelter it, it scares people it's more of a home-like environment where we are um, providing services 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We have um, the safe house is staffed. Uh, we have advocates, trained domestic violence advocates that work with our clients when they enter the shelter program. They're assigned a caseworker, and that caseworker works with them on what their goals are, you know, to, to successfully exit the shelter program. So they are living there with other people, with other women. Yes. So I don't like to call them victims. Um, I feel like there should be a better name. Survivors. I'd rather call them survivors of domestic violence. Are there 
men do you see men I, you're called women aware but do you provide services for men that are survivors of domestic we, violence we provide comparable services to male victims of domestic violence so you know if there's a male victim of domestic violence seeking shelter seeking um because we have additional services that i will share with you we would do the same thing that we we do for female victims we complete the shelter as, uh, assessment over the phone over a 24-hour hotline and um based on our screening we would provide the appropriate referrals so yes we do service male victims of domestic violence and at what point would you get involved obviously if somebody called your hotline you would but what if somebody goes to the police station they apply for a restraining order would they still have to call the hotline if they wanted to get services yes so our you know the police stations would refer the the the, uh, the client to our hotline and we would be able to provide them with information because our hotline we we get questions um related to domestic violence and additional safety planning that we provide so it's not just shelter um screenings over our hotline we provide information referrals and safety planning strategies so if they are um at the police department and they're um, entering into a restraining order we also have legal advocates so our legal advocates are not attorneys but they're familiar with the family court process so they can help prepare um victims of domestic violence with um with the restraining order help them with the restraining order process so they can help prep them for the hearing as well as provide information and referrals to um pro bono attorneys that we work with so that they can have um they can get legal advice also if they are not ready to apply for a restraining order they can reach out to legal advocacy and get more information about what their legal rights and options are Okay, that's wonderful. So people out there that might be thinking that they want to apply for a restraining order, whether they've done that already or not, they can still reach out to you guys and get some guidance there. Exactly. And we also provide services um, for children. So we have a program. It's, um, it's called PALS and PALS stands for Peace, a Learn Solution. So like violence could be taught, so can peace. So we work with children between the ages of three and 12. They work individually with uh, master's level creative art therapists. And um, we have support groups for adult survivors of domestic violence. So we have support groups in English and in, in Spanish in the afternoon, the evening time. So our support groups are a more of a psychoeducational group. So you're learning more about what domestic violence is. Because many times, Christina, we have, uh, clients that come to us that first they don't know that we are providing services, right? So they didn't know that we existed and they were referred to us by a family member or friends, uh, law enforcement, the courts, uh, DCPMP, Child Protective Services. And, you know, they might not be ready to leave. They might not be ready to just take that step and, and leave. And uh, uh, me as a DV advocate, I'm here to provide you with information and referrals and safety planning and education around domestic violence and empower you to make your own decision, right? So domestic violence is a dynamic of power and control. So when you are in a relationship where you're being controlled by your partner, you know, we may be the first people to, to ask what you want to do 
you know, these are your options. What steps would you like to take for your safety? Because many times when you hear um, situations that, you know, the, the statistics are, are daunting in this country, one in three women who have been uh, murdered have been murdered by their intimate partners in this country. And it's important to understand that many times when this happens, it's happening when a person decides to leave an abusive relationship when that person that has control over you no longer has control over you. Yeah, it's a very sensitive topic. And something that I am trying to bring more awareness to is that it's not just women that can be victims of domestic violence, but it can be men too. And it's all different kinds of relationships. Um, also, right now, are you providing limited service? Have your services been limited in any fashion because of the COVID experience that we're having? So right now, our services, our um, hotline is running as usual, and our safe house is completely running as usual. Our um, other services are we're providing services over the phone. So our clients that are actively receiving therapeutic services, the children, their parents, and um, the support group clients, we are uh, doing check-ins over the phone um, and taking it day by day. So we are there, the clinicians, the advocates are contacting them, ensuring that they're safe, continuing safety planning and assessing the situation. So they are in contact with them, but we are not providing in-person services, non-residential services. Okay, I'm glad to hear that at least some, the more immediate services and ongoing services that you were providing before, you're at least still doing that um, in some fashion for the people that really need it. Um, what You mentioned that you have support groups that you do in the evenings. Are those are you doing those by Zoom or video conferencing? You know, we are assessing whether or not that would be safe because in our support groups, we have groups where um, we have uh, survivors that are currently still in the abusive relationship and they're learning more about domestic violence, right? And then we have survivors that have left their abusers. So we can't, um, and also we work with clients that might not have the accessibility to access Zoom or to, uh, to you know, have smartphones to be able to use some of these techn technological sites. So we are assessing the situation day by day to see how we can best meet, best meet the needs of our families. Are you seeing a rise in, in your number of callers right now or just in general, the domestic violence that you're seeing? So I am, I was just talking to my, um, my COO about this as well, that, that, you know, I'm just afraid of the aftermath of all of this, right? So when the stay at home order is lifted, you know what that's going to mean for our clients we have seen a drop in calls excuse me i'm gonna get water we've actually seen a drop in calls where we average 600 hotline calls monthly um this past month we saw a drop <coughs> my apologies in, in calls so i feel like it might also be a safety issue so if you are isolated at home with your abusers, it might not be the safest option for you to pick up the phone and contact the domestic violence hotline. So, you know, some uh, some of the callers that we have been speaking to are actually surprised that we're still providing services. So I've, I've fielded calls and my staff has fielded calls where they're like, I called, but I wasn't sure that you were still 
going to be answering. And that's one of the messages that I want to um, to put out there is that we're still there and we're still there to provide support. You know, domestic violence doesn't stop during a public health crisis. If anything, yeah. violence and um, will increase during this crisis. Yeah, that, that's concerning to me that the calls have dropped because I don't think the domestic violence no. has dropped. I, I um, and yeah, don't. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I, I would, I've been trying to encourage people to make them aware because a lot of people are just unsure what's going on. Everything's closed. You know, are the courts closed? And ordinarily you would go to the courthouse during normal business hours to apply for a TRO, a temporary restraining order. Um, but now I want to get the word out that if you feel the need to apply for a restraining order, you can do that any time of day or night by going to your local police station. So the services are still there. And I would strongly encourage anybody who's in an unsafe situation to seek out those services and get protection. Um, so I mentioned a couple of times that um, you also provide services for male victims of domestic violence. Do you have a safe house for men or are the men welcome at the safe house too? Or do you, is it, do you keep it to strictly, strictly limited to men? Well, what I would say is that our, like I said earlier, if you, if there's a male victim of domestic violence that is in need of our services in need of safe housing, then they should do the same thing that a female victim would by contacting our 24 hour hotline. And we would provide the compar comparable services. So, uh, because you're a male victim does not mean that we won't provide you services. We absolutely do. And we do all year round. Um, you know, it's, it's what, whatever is needed for safety. Yes. Um, so what's the most important or urgent message that you want to have the public be aware of right now? So one of, um, you know, and I alluded a little bit before about that domestic violence is about power and control, right? So I've been reading different articles and I just want everyone to know that that someone who was not abusive before this uh, isolation and, and um, stay at home order will not all of a sudden become abusive. You know, abusers are, you know, they're, they're, if the domestic violence is in the relationship, this is a time that the isolation now Abusers like to isolate their victims from from their families, from their support systems, from seeking out employment, from um, from going to school. So this is a time where now the the state and the country is is backing them up and saying that you know you have to stay in the home, and the isolation tactics can increase, and it could um, the the physical violence can increase in severity. So what I, I, I want everyone to know is that we are here and, you know, we have safe housing. We have a safe place to provide for victims of domestic violence, for survivors and their and their families. Um, and that it is imperative that, you know, in a safe way, if they're able to contact us, then they should. And that when I mean in a safe way is that I don't I don't want them to contact the hotline right in front of their abusers, right? So yeah. one of the things that I would recommend is, you know, going into a safe place in your home, if possible, to make the call or contacting the police if you are not um, able to do that. You know, we're here, we're there 24 hours. So even if I had a, 
a caller that said that they would call us back in at two o'clock in the morning. And that was her safety plan because she knew her abuser would be sleeping. And so it's important to for everyone to know that we're out here, we're providing these services and we're there for, for the support. Can you, in Middlesex can, County. Oh, can you also provide some other examples of just describe some examples of domestic violence because sometimes I think people think, well, you know, my spouse or whomever, my partner doesn't hit me. So only domestic violence can be, can be physical, right? But it's, it's not, it's no, other things too. So can you give a few examples? Sure. So domestic violence, like I, I stated earlier, is a pattern of course of control. So that means someone that has power and control over another person. Now we see um, physical, verbal, emotional abuse. So putting you down, calling you names, making you feel like you're not worth worth anything, you know, um, controlling all the finances. So you're, you're put on an allowance. You're not allowed to, to know, to have access to the account or to know how much money you have in the account. Um, you know, uh, having an allowance for groceries, putting, uh, using the children. So many, um, survivors will stay in an abusive relationship because of the children, because if they leave, you know, that, that is very difficult to get sole custody of your children. So many survivors will stay in, in an abusive relationship because they don't want to leave their children with the abusers without yeah. any, any support, you know, abusers will use the fact that many survivors have, you know, they, they want to keep their family unit intact. So, Oh, if you leave, you're breaking up the family. Uh, yeah. Were you going to ask me a question? No, I, well, I was going to say, too, I think a, a huge concern is often, well, I don't have enough money. Maybe they're stay-at-home moms um, or financially dependent on this other person. I know that's always a big concern. Do you help them get training, get find jobs, and that sort of thing? We, When the survivor comes to our shelter, we create a, a service plan, and we work towards their goals. So if their goals are finding employment, if their goals are financial stability, you know, we would, we work with our community providers to connect them with the most appropriate services. So yes, about 98% of domestic violence survivors that are living with the partners are experiencing some type of economic control, you know, and that, that could look very different. Uh, also, you know, isolation, I explained a little bit earlier as well, but isolating you from your support system, you, you know, listening to your conversations that you're having with your family, manipulating the situation. So uh, using, so there might've been an, a violent incident the night before, but the next morning it's, it's like it never happened. So th that crazy making that, oh, you're, you're over-exaggerating, using intimidation tactics, so punching a hole in the wall. So yes, that's not physically harming you, but that's using intimidation tactics. You know, if there's weapons in the home, threatening to use the weapon against you. Uh, so there are, like, like we stated earlier, that domestic violence is not just physical abuse. It can, and it, it's, yeah. it, a lot of times the physical abuse happens at the end. You know, all of these other patterns of course of control is already in place. You know, the, the, uh, I've had uh, clients that I've worked with where they go to work and they come home 
and the abuser checks the mileage on their car to make sure that that's exactly where they went and they didn't go anywhere else. You know, um, we have the stay at home order right now. And for some people, it's, it's more of a nuisance than a safety concern. You know, when you think about being at home, you know, when I think about being at home, I'm, I'm, I feel safe being here, but I think about my clients and our hotline callers that that home is not safety. You know, they use going to work those eight hours or those part-time hours as their refuge. You know, they create, they create relationships with their coworkers because they might not be able to have friends. I've had clients that will say, um, I had this huge support system and then I got into this relationship and it's like, I have no friends and the only support I have is the abuser. And, and these manipulation tactics are not, they're subtle and they're deliberate. The abusers know what they're doing, you know, and many times um, they'll blame outside sources, right? So they'll say that, oh, it's because I was under the influence of drugs or alcohol or if, uh, because I have a mental health diagnosis. But there are many people that abuse drugs and alcohol and have mental health diagnoses that are never abusive towards their partners. So these are things that need to be treated separately. And there are they, you, they're used as excuses to continue yeah. to control their partners. Yeah, and um, something that I see often is, uh, and I'm generalizing, but a woman may feel some level of guilt you know, like it's not his fault. He had a bad childhood or he has a stressful job or, you know, there's a million different reasons to try to explain away that kind of behavior. But the message that I want people to get and I know that you want people to get is that you don't have to be in a situation like that, that there are things that you can do and you don't deserve to be, no matter what you've ever done or said in your life, you don't deserve to be in a situation like that. And you are not responsible for someone else's behavior. Exactly. Ever. You're, and, you know, many times abusers will put it on their, uh, their partners that, if you um, had dinner ready on time, if you were home taking care of our children, if you were doing, you know, if you, you made me angry, you made me do this, but we're all adults and we're responsible for our own behaviors and abusers lack accountability. So they will take, put everything that they're doing and blame their, blame, blame their partners on it. So it's, it is, it's many times I've, I've heard um, my clients ask me, like, do you think that person will change? And my response is always that first, I don't know, you know, I don't know a person, but I can say that statistically, like when you, anything, if you want to change anything about yourself, if you want to do healthy eating, any, anything you, it has to come within you. Someone can't force you to change. You have to identify there's an issue and you have to work towards that. It, you know, rectifying that. So it is about uh, accepting and taking accountability as well. Absolutely. I think that's all wonderful advice. And thank you so much for the good work that you're doing for the public. Thank you, Christina. Um, if somebody is interested in calling women aware and, and finding out about services, or especially if they're in a, a dangerous situation right now and they need help, how can they reach out to you? So they can contact our 24 hour hotline, our 24 hour hotline. The toll free number is 833-249-4504. 
And then um, the local number is 732-249-4504. So that hotline, there's a live person that will answer that hotline at any time. I'm also going to share with you the statewide hotline number. So we service Middlesex County, uh, but there is a domestic violence provider in every county in the state of New Jersey. So the statewide number is 1-800-572-7233. And if someone listening to this is out of the state of New Jersey, the national domestic violence hotline number is 1-800-799-7233. So we are, the advocates are here. We are working very hard and to ensure that you're safe and that you have um, options. So we're here and if you need our support, please don't hesitate to contact us. And if somebody's, um, how do you determine who would be eligible for your services if they live in Middlesex County? What if they live in Morris County, but they retreat from their home and they go stay with their sister in Middlesex County? Are they eligible to well, use your services? We, we service um, survivors in Middlesex County, but if they are calling us from Middlesex County, they can they can contact us and we can um, you know provide them with information. Many times we have callers that will call around the state and we, we will just reroute them to their local DV hotline. Okay. But if they're in Middlesex right. County, they can contact us. Excellent. Okay, well, thank you so much, Malia, for coming on here and giving this really valuable information. I hope that whoever needs to hear this hears it and gets the help that they need so that they can be safe at home. Thank you, Christina. Thank you for um, reaching out to us for this interview. Of course, anytime, anytime you ever want to bring awareness to any of the services, please feel free to reach out to me. I'm happy to do that. I will.